Uh, today Bible's reading will be from Matthew 6, uh, verses 5 to 15. Uh, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, you will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you, Grace, for reading God's Word for us. Today we start with a new sermon series, and the theme of this series will be Pray with the King. Now, uh, we stand a bit in the beginning of a new season, and I wonder how you are feeling about that. So, are you looking forward for it? I think... For most of us, when you look to the upcoming season, some anxieties, some worries can also come to you. What will this new season bring you? What will happen in this new season? Will you be able to manage everything? uh, Well, we, we can feel like that. I think it's quite normal. But what can help us then to get through and to survive? Now... The theme of today's sermon is that we can survive through prayer. And, of course, the Bible encourages us to pray. But I can imagine that um, all of us feel that we can use some help in our prayers. So prayer is not always so easy. So it might not just help to say pray, but we might also want to learn then how should we pray and what should we pray. Now, where could we look better for prayer than at the greatest gift ever to the universe, to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when he teaches us what and how to pray. So today and next week, we will look at the Lord's Prayer. There Jesus taught us how and what to pray, and it's too much to do in one uh, sermon, so next week we will continue and look at the second half of the Lord's Prayer. Now to divide the sermon into some logical parts, which are also in 
the Bible passage, let's ask three questions. The first question is, why is this prayer not prayed so very often, so frequently? Why is this prayer not used so much as much as it could be used? Second question, who is praying this prayer? Who is praying this prayer? And third question, how can we join this prayer? So why not pray it frequently? Who is praying it? And how can we join this prayer? So first question, why is this prayer not prayed so much? We live, say, 2,000 years after this wonderful, powerful prayer was given to humanity. But until today, it's not the case that the whole world, the whole of humanity is continually praying this prayer. No, far from. Now, let's not look far away, but let's look at ourselves. Do you pray? When did you pray for the last time? And what did you pray? And did you pray the Lord's Prayer? Now, it may be that you regard yourself as a Christian, but that you live almost like an atheist. You wake up and you just start your day without many thoughts of God and without prayers. And of course, there are atheists. Perhaps you are an atheist. Let's be clear, you are very welcome to be here. Everyone is very welcome and we are happy and glad that you are here. Now, if you are an atheist, you might think it's not right to pray. And why is it not right? Well, because you think I should solve my problems myself. I shouldn't bother other ones. I shouldn't bother a God about prayer, a God in whom I do not believe. Now, atheism, what is atheism? You might think atheism is a, is a mental thing, is an intellectual thing, is a thing about mental convictions. But let's be clear, atheism also has something to do with a heart attitude. Doesn't it also have something to do with a heart attitude that we do not want somebody above us to tell us what we should do? what we should be. Life should be about us, not about somebody above us who imposes rules over us. You may have heard of the French Revolution cry, ni Dieu, ni maître. No God, no master. So perhaps this is on the bottom of everyone's heart that we would like to decide by ourselves. And because of that, we wouldn't like to ask somebody for help, and so we might not pray. This is why the atheist might not pray. Now listen to Jesus. Jesus points to the Pharisees. At first sight, these are not atheists. These are very religious persons. But Jesus says that they do not really pray. It seems they pray. They are very religious but Jesus says what they are really doing is they do as if, for what? What is the aim? What is the goal? They want people to look at them, to admire them. So in fact, they want life to be about them. They do not want God to be the sun and 
themselves to be the planets receiving the rays from the sun. No, they want to be the sun and others to, to say, what a wonderful person is he. Now, do you see the similarity between the religious Pharisees and the atheists? Both want life to be about them and to be for their glory. Now, there are also those who say, well, but I frequently pray the Lord's Prayer. For instance, when you've got a Roman Catholic background or an Orthodox background, you learned to pray this prayer frequently, perhaps once or twice a day or even more. You say, I learned to pray this prayer. Aren't there many who pray the Lord's Prayer? But don't be mistaken. Are all those who used to pray this prayer twice a day praying this prayer from the bottom of their heart? Or is it a custom that you learned from your parents, your priest, that you should do this in order that you deserve God's favor? So it feels you shouldn't pay too much attention to the content of the prayer. You could just pray these words without thinking of the meaning and then you will earn God's favor. Then God might do the things you want him to do. Now, is this praying the Lord's Prayer, Jesus warns people that they shouldn't be like the pagans who approach God with many words, thinking that if they use such words, then God will hear them because they use such words. Now, don't make the mistake that you think, well, the Lord's Prayer is the perfect prayer, so if I speak out these words even though I don't think of their meaning, I have got, so to say, the key to put in the machine called God so that he is forced to do whatever I want. Now, is this a right approach to God that you use this prayer in order that God may bless you, in order that life may be about you? I think that's neither using the Lord's Prayer. Now let's look at the evangelicals, the evangelical Protestant Christians. Do they pray the Lord's Prayer? Let's listen to their prayers. Well, to me it seems very often the only similarity between the Lord's Prayer and their prayer is the word Father. So indeed they may start their prayer with Father, and then they go on to pray with their own words. Now, is that wrong to use your own words? Not at all, of course. However, compare the Lord's Prayer with their prayers. Are these prayers similar? Shouldn't we be honest if we listen to many of our prayers, as evangelicals, as Protestants, that many of our prayers circle about our worries, our concerns, our priorities, our wishes. That's different from the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer starts with the honor of God, his will, his kingdom, his name. Is that in our prayers? So although the atheist, the religious person, the Orthodox Christian the evangelical Protestant, may seem to be very different people. 
at the bottom of our heart, there might be a great similarity, a conviction that life is and should be about us, about our glory. We should be the, the sons and uh, be admired by others and liked by others, that, that it seems that we have good, wonderful lives, then life would be good. But that is not the way God made us. Why are we on earth? For those of you who were here in the past weeks, we learned from brother, brother Bob that God made humans to be his divine image bearers. Great privilege to be an image bearer of God, to remind, resemble, represent the glory of God. So we were greatly privileged that God would be our king and father taking care of us and that we would do his will on earth, serving him as his people and him to be the king taking care of us. But at the bottom of the heart of every one of us is a very different thing. We know perhaps if you read the book of Genesis how things went on, about sin, sin was not just merely man taking an apple or some fruit he shouldn't have eaten. No, the problem of sin is much deeper. It's a rebellion. It's saying, ni dieu, ni maître, no God, no master above me. So I want to be the God. I want to be the one around whom life circles and to whom the glory is going. And not God should decide what is right and wrong, but I should by my side determine by myself which way I should go, what is good and what is not good. Now, even though you are a Christian, this problem of rebellion is at the bottom of the heart of each of us. Now, what should a creator God do he, a good, merciful God who privileged us so much, whereas we rebel against him, say the earth is ours, life is mine, it is to be for my aims, my purposes, my goals. What would you do if a thief entered your house and you came home, you saw the thief and the thief said, go away, this is my house, it's my property. Wouldn't you go to the police, wouldn't you get this person forced to get out. Now, indeed, God says that his judgment day will come. Life and the earth is not ours. It is his. It is his divine gift. And by nature, we all are rebellious against him. That's a problem. That's a great problem. And that explains why this prayer is not prayed as frequently as it could be. So it's a wonderful prayer, but it's not natural for a rebel to approach the Creator as our Father. No, God is somewhere your enemy, the one you want to get rid of. You don't want to think about Him too much. This is our natural state, and in this state we are lost. Rebels shouldn't think 
they should receive much of God, shouldn't they? So then, who prays this prayer, this powerful prayer, if nobody prays it by nature? Let's go to the second question, who prays this prayer? Well, looking at the text, looking at the passage, the answer to this question is not very difficult. Who prays this prayer? Who is the first one from whose mouth these words come? It is Jesus, of course. Jesus prays this prayer. But who is Jesus? That's an important question. Who is Jesus? Matthew's Gospel, the first book of the New Testament, announces Jesus as the promised one, the one who was promised to Abraham. He was somebody like Joseph, like David. He is the promised one to David to be the rescuer of his people and to be the Savior and the Lord for the whole world. God promised him. God would not let his plans um, not succeed. God would continue with his plan. Although there is so much rebellion in the hearts of every human being. Why did Jesus come? He came to save his people from their sins, says Matthew. And in the chapters 5 to 7 of Matthew's gospel, the king brings us back. The king brings his people back to God. So Jesus is no rebel he was born of God. And whereas it is not natural for a rebel to approach the one against whom he rebels, it is very natural, of course, for a child to love, to, to approach his loving father. Of course, a child, if he or she has a loving father, will say, Father. So here we hear Jesus pray and approach his father. God has said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And long before Jesus was born, David announced that his promised son would say to God, My father, see Psalm 89. And Jesus has the will of God as something that he loves to do. Psalm 40, it's my delight to do your will. Your will is in my heart. So Jesus is not a rebel. No, Jesus is the one who is what we should have been. He resembles, he reflects, he represents the glory of God. He is the true divine image bearer, the son of God, the wonderful king. What a precious life do we see when we look at Jesus. Come to know him. Come to learn more about him. Now listen to the prayer of Jesus. If you hear Jesus pray, he starts, his first priorities in his prayer are the glory of God, his Father. So he is so convinced that God, the Father, takes care of him and of his concerns that he can know that he, he, he could start with God's priorities, namely the honor of God's name, the coming of God's kingdom, the fulfillment of the will of God. That's the longing of Jesus. And then after that, he brings in his and our concerns as the second step. Now, what is this will of God? And what is 
this kingdom of God about? And what is this name of God of a kind of a name? Well, it is the will of God that rebels who deserve the wrath and the punishment of God, and this punishment will come, but it is the will of God that such persons who are dead for God, who are not in a relationship with God, will become new persons, redeemed from their rebellion, and born as children of God. And for this, Jesus went his way to the cross. There he died the death of a rebel. The king died in our place to take our punishment, but also to take us, to take our rebellious nature. When we believe in him, when we are baptized in his name, we are united with him so that our rebellious nature that we all have might die. And that we would raise with him. He has risen from the dead and he calls us, come, be my people. Although you are a rebel, come to me and be forgiven and be born of God, become a child of God, become an inheritant of the kingdom, find joy, find a father, find a family, find everything. That's why Jesus came. The will of God is that we would be saved. The kingdom of God is that we should receive forgiveness, cleansing of our sins. And the name of God is a glorious name, for he is righteous, but he is also merciful. Now let's go to the last question. Then how can we, how can you, how can I join this prayer? Three steps. First, repent. Repent. So rather than being a hypocrite saying, well, there may be others who rebel against God, but I don't. No, let the Holy Spirit show you who you are. This rebellion is at the bottom of your heart. It's at the bottom of my heart. In every sin we sin, we show that we don't trust God's will to be good, that we appreciate our will above God's will. It's in all of us. What should we do? Improve ourselves when we go to God? No. We should know that Jesus is welcoming sinners. As a leaper could come to Jesus and be cleansed. As a lame could be brought to him and could walk. As the tax collectors and sinners could come to him and receive life and forgiveness. Yes, as they even could bring the dead to Jesus and he could make them alive. You can come to Jesus. Have you done that? Don't suppose you are a Christian while you, while you have not come to Jesus, but come to Jesus for the first time and again and again. Just, just bring it all. Just admit it. Just confess, I am a rebel, Lord, but you are the gracious Lord. So could we change roles? And that is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to take what is yours, your rebellion, your sins, your punishment, your worries. You can bring it all to him and he's then, then he will say, it's mine. And then he will give to you what is his. What is his? Well, his privilege is that he is son of God. He can say father to God. So Jesus died in order that you too could say to God, father. So Jesus teaches us to pray, father of us. He is my father as a king, but he is also your father as his people. Repent.
That's the first thing we should do to join this prayer. Then the second thing is realize that there is already a prayer going on. So if you want to learn to pray, realize prayer doesn't start with you. It's not just start talking to God. No, be aware that in heaven there is a risen king, the son of God. What is he doing there? He said, I am with you. How is Jesus with us? He is with us that he sees us and that he prays to his father for us on our behalf. What is he praying? Well, he is still praying the way we hear him pray in the Lord's prayer, our father in heaven. So there is already a prayer going on. The king is praying and many of his people all around the world, in heaven, on earth, are praying with him. So when you start to pray, be aware there is already a prayer, and praying is something like joining a prayer that is already going on, answering when the king speaks first, and joining him, and learn to pray. Of course, you may add your own words, but bring your prayers in harmony with his. So that brings me to the third practical step. How can we join this prayer? Repent, realize that prayer is already going on, and thirdly, revise your priorities in prayer. So you might think, I should start about all my concerns, my worries, my problems. But if there is really a loving Father, He already knows about this. You can let it go. You can start with His name, His glory, his kingdom, his will. And then indeed you may bring in your concerns. Of course you may. Next week we'll, we will look at the second half of the Lord's Prayer. Of course we may cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. But let's start where Jesus' prayer starts. For this is what a covenant, what a friendship is about. Are you really friends if you come together and one of the two is always starting with his or her own problems, never interested in the other one. Now, a friendship is about mutuality. Now, what you are invited to today is friendship with God, friendship with Jesus, one who is interested about you and your situation and your concerns. He already knows it, and he wants to make you aware of whom he is as father and as a savior. A new season is starting. I think all of us, we feel some worries, some concerns, some longings. And I think that is good. It makes us aware that we are not gods. Life cannot be about us. Life is not about us. We are like sheep, but there is a wonderful shepherd. And we may come to him and let him shepherd us. Amen.